and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs. Welcome everybody to Irreverence. This is live and in person today, which is extremely exciting. We're here on location. Well, I'm always here in the same place in Winchester, UK, but I'm today joined in person by none other than Thomas Pelham, the Reverend Thomas Pelham Esquire. So, Tom, you're here. It's great. What are you doing? Thank you. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm doing a little pilgrimage, a pilgrimage yeah. to Winchester. Yes, no. well, it's a, um, it's a pilgrimage site. Is, is it a pilgrimage site? Of course it is. Why? Well, it's Winchester Cathedral, isn't it? It's, it's the end of the Pilgrim's Way. Well, it's the beginning. Mm. Maybe it is. The end at Canterbury, Maybe which actually it, is yeah. a pilgrimage site. No, are you joking? Of course it's a pilgrimage site. It's about the shrine of St. Swithin. Oh, as in, as in the, um, since, you know, whether it rains or not. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was destroyed in the Reformation, but, you know. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's outrageous. Right, anyway, sorry. Say what you're doing, yes. So I'm just on retreat, Jerry. I'm... Right. Uh, I'm um... <laughs> so outrageous some of the things you come out with oh dear <laughs> <laughs> um i i'm coming uh from yeah Sorry. That's right. I, I, so i spent yesterday in yeah. uh, so a day of choir um on chichita harbor mm-hmm. or just just off chichita harbor technically speaking um in, in, on the itchina peninsula mm-hmm. so some lovely walking um, the, the weather was fantastic yesterday. It was so beautiful, mm. so still, and um, had a really lovely time just praying and reading scripture and um, and the various other books. I've been reading a, a book about um, the uh, the practice of worship in the medieval parish church, which has been interesting. Mm, by Nicholas Storm, mm. yeah, going to church in medieval England. Yeah, very good. It's a very good book, very well researched, very readable, um, page turner at times. Nice. Um, and... Um, so just because uh, I, I I started reading it two years ago and never finished it because I got busy. Mm. And I thought I must finish this book. Yeah, and yeah. so I did. And nice. uh, so, so it's all been good. I'm feeling quite relaxed and nice. uh, ready to. Um... Good. Well, I hope this episode is not going to make you feel too stressed no, out. We're going to talk about some fairly stressful things, I think, but hopefully in a godly way. Mm. Anyway, so because we don't have the normal technology, you've got the running order. Yeah. So you're going to have to tell us, as I've written some notes about have, yeah. some things we're going to talk about today. So um, before. Anything else we should say, if you like this podcast, do follow. Yes. Do share. Um, you can also find ways of contributing financially towards our costs. Mm. Um, there is Buy Me A Coffee and there is Patreon. Yeah. Is there any other way? Uh, not really, unless people want to give directly. But I'll do a fuller plug for that later on and explain how people can do that. But essentially, everything's on our website, irreverendpod.com. So, because, yeah. But, you know, anyone can share the podcast, anyone can review it, but don't leave lame reviews, honestly. Like somebody, I don't want to go, no, I don't want to start this with a controversy, but someone left a review, four-star review, and they said they didn't give us five stars because we interrupt each other too much. I just think if you actually listen... I think you should stop that. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, we barely ever interrupt each other. I just think there's such an unfair... I don't mind criticism. I just think it's such an unfair criticism. You know, it's... But also, if I didn't interrupt you, then I would never get to say exactly. Anything. And right. also, it's just that's just the way people communicate. They're all you know. It's like a conversation, isn't it? Of course, it? of course, this, of course. Like honestly, I was listening to Jordan Peterson's Exodus series the other day because it's on YouTube. It's, it's kind of interesting, and like the amount every single utterance is interrupted. You know, it's like we don't interrupt each other anywhere near as much as that. So, so I just think it's unfair. Interrupted? Hmm? I've never actually seen it. So is it like it's, a... it's always me? It's always directed at me. Criticism oh. is always directed at me. It's rarely directed at you or Daniel. 
yeah. for some reason, I'm just like the scapegoat. You're, you're a lightning rod for criticism, Jim. And if you're going to review us, then please give us five stars. And if you're going to give us, I don't think. Well, I'm just saying it. I want five stars. Mm, right? I'm not. I'm unashamedly no, saying. No yeah, all right, fine. It, a four stars, maybe. If it's a valid criticism, though, but please don't. You know, please don't criticize us for interrupting each other. It's part of the fun. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. yeah so, um, so you anyone can share, anyone can review, and uh, say nice things. You know, there was also like Abby Roberts, who someone. I don't, you know, I don't know anything about her, but she, she like done this really like ultra aggressive tweet about our podcast. I mean, it was, it was like a load of other people. It was actually quite good because we were included with some quite prof- high profile names. Like uh, I think it was like Douglas Murray on there, um, like trigonometry and various other oh, things yeah. that she did. She thought to include us as well, but essentially her critique was that we were, she called us, um, you know, sorry about this, uh, cover your ears if you've got children, but that she called us ca- cowardly bastards. Because I, I couldn't really even understand the criticism, but it was like that we weren't, you know, we hadn't gone far enough in our kind of criticism criticism of COVID and like the vaccines. And that's literally the, our, our, yeah, I started thinking, I mean, yeah, it's, we, we talked about that all the time. That's, that's why we, we talked about for like two but, years. Yeah, but we hadn't we hadn't drawn a direct parallel between that and the suffering of children in, in Israel and Gaza or something. And I just think, you know, well, in some ways, um, it's a little bit annoying, but also, yeah, it's quite nice that she thought of us in that group of people. Yeah. You know, quite well, I, I think it's fair. We, we, I, know. I, I think we, I think we, we do actually draw parallels between the parents. I mean, it's quite. Hard. I don't know quite exactly what she means by the parallels here. Um, it was, it was, uh, to be honest with you, it was too angry and aggressive to really make that much sense out of it. But it was like, you know, all of these names, it was like, you know, uh, Calvin Robinson, I think was there as well. Mm-hmm. Douglas Murray, Trigonometry. I saw that, I saw on, on Twitter that you and Daniel are trying to get Douglas, Douglas sort of jumping up and down in front of him. There was Jordan Peterson, the two of you jumping up and yeah, down. Yeah, we'll never get Peterson. Do we get Douglas I think, I think there's a chance he'll come on. Yeah. Cause we know, we know his agent. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. We don't want to say too much because like, you know, it's all, so we want to keep we want to keep some of the mystique, don't we? But we, we could though. I mean, people sort of suggesting people to have on would be good. It'd be good to have. Um, it, it is nice to have guests occasionally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For you sure. think you know you want you listen to a podcast? You think actually it'd be really good to to get us. Yeah, but of, also people listen to this for us as well because they, they yeah. want to hear us. Anyway, what are the other notices on there? I don't, there, there aren't really. Oh there yes, are. there, there are. are. So, um, there's, a, there's a job that we want. There's a job. Yeah, I, I just you know yeah, okay. I, I will read it out because um, but you know first before you apply for this role. Um, I've got a house for duty. <laughs> yeah, so you've got a clergy job. But if you want to work with Tom, send us an email, reverendpod at gmail.com, and Tom will tell you about his house for duty job. That's nice. So you're, you're a clergy. You're a clergy, yeah, yeah in, in, in Etchingham. And no, it's in Bellwish Weald. Beautiful. Okay. Single parish, yeah. really. You just look after them. A little bit of work okay. across the benefits. Lovely community. Okay. Nice house. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, near a station to London. Yeah, okay. So yeah. if you want to work with Tom, that's that. We if you want to work another... with the Reverend Dave Brown, yeah, he's team rector for Newton Abbott and St Luke's Milder, which is in that's in the west. That's in the west country, isn't it? Yes, like, on, is it on the coast, the south coast? I think I don't in know. the west. I don't know if it's on the coast, but it's a very it's a very nice. Weirdly, place. it's um, it's got a um, Heathfield, which I've got a Heathfield next to me. All right, okay, but you're on the other side of the country. Uh, I mean, it's not so yeah. Heathfield. He yeah. asked if we'd like to apply for the job, and I said, no, we're all, I think we're all pretty much like settled at the moment, you know, yeah. me and Daniel. But if there are any based vicars out there, because he, he listened to the podcast, um, is there a way of getting in touch? Or uh, it, that, it's a, it's a, is there it, are details which we'll put on the, the program notes. Is, um, it, is it a house for duty? No, it's, no, it's not. No, it's not a house for duty. So you actually get paid for this one, which would be money. Uh, money. It should be good, wouldn't it? Money and a house. And you can um, go and work with a based vicar. Uh, it, look, it looks like, um, so it looks like it's a society parish looking for a mission minded Orthodox priest. 
with the joy of being part of a team of Orthodox Evangelical clergy across Newton Abbott and Ogbo. It does actually sound quite that good. That sounds good. It does sound that good. sounds good. You should uh, go for it. Whoever it is who's yeah. listening to that moment. So it's actually not, it's two half-time posts. So it's full full stipend. Okay. Team Vicar of Milba Parish and Vicar of Bobby Tracy St. John and Heathfield. Sweet. Um, Diocese of Exeter. And who do they, oh yeah, I just put it on the show notes. I'll put a link to the, to the advert on the Sweet. show notes. So if you're a clergy and you're looking for that, or if you know clergy who might be looking for a job. That's part you, of the world. Yeah, nice about the world. Yeah, nice about the world. Yeah. I just I think there's not enough um, evangelical rural mission. Mm. Yeah, there's um, a lot of kind of wishy washy kind of yeah, it, you know, and it's, it's part middle of the road type stuff, isn't it? Yeah, in the, in the country there is. There's some good stuff going. There's a lot of prayer book stuff in them. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Okay, in my parishes, so yeah, yeah, I'm sure we do. Sure we do. It's prayer book. Yeah. Um, and actually, as a proportion of like population, we do very well. Yeah, you know, I I, I can get. Um, like for for the big services, I'll get uh, like over ten percent of the village yeah. in. But I say that's only for the really big ones. But uh, mm. for normal services, like yeah, that's, that, it's good. Know. I mean, I'm no, I'm not going to get ten percent of my parish in here, am I? It's just that would be hundreds and hundreds of people. It just wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't happen. You know, well, there is parish. Don't limit God. No, that's true. That's true. It could happen by God's grace. By but... God's grace. I mean, you know, like like you know, like those sort of huge like, revival meetings with everyone yeah. packed into your church. You have to build a gallery. To be honest, we could probably only fit in 200 people into our church, I think. Even build that could be, Yeah, we could build a gallery. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do that. They used to, that's what they used to do. Build galleries. Just build galleries, yeah. Um, anyway, um, what's next? Let's let's, uh, um, let's continue. Let's so, uh, well, actually, next is uh, Bible. Oh, yeah, okay. So, Well, you, well you to see a feedback. Is that a notice or is that... Oh, okay. So that was um, that was like a talking point um, from last week's show, right? So um, let's do that now because that's more like kind of casual conversation. But just to sort of update you and to update listeners as well. Um, so I did a piece last last week on um, my time, my year working with UCCF, which I've actually made as a special bespoke video on YouTube. So you can go you and get someone and to um, trans- get a transcription of it. Yeah, there's a transcription of it as well. Uh, so so thank you to Lee. Uh, I w- I I. W- I've asked Lee to give me her, her postal address because I'd like to send her something to say thank you, but, you know. Uh, Very really appreciate or a mug, maybe? Yeah, maybe a hat or a mug, actually. Good point. I was mm-hmm. thinking more like flowers or something, but, yeah, that's probably better. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a transcription as well, just for people who want to read it. And the reason I did that is because after I released that, so my understanding was that this was, like, all out in the public domain. Um, there's been this big investigation at UCCF, like, complaints. Yeah, they lost, like, all of their trustees, haven't they? Well, half of the trustees have stepped yeah. set down. So basically, essentially, complainants are alleging bullying, toxic culture and inappropriate slash potentially illegal employment practices. Um, there's this big investigation. The report has been released. It Some people are alleging that the report is a whitewash. Um, other, uh, so half the trustees have stepped down. Um, and the director and the vice director or whatever his, his role is are still in place. So ostensibly kind of nothing really seems to have changed in the organisation. Now, when I saw this um, story, which was, I think it was in Premier Christianity magazine. It, sorry, so I apologise if that's wrong. But anyway, so I saw this story and I thought, well, that's interesting because I've got a story about my time working for UCCF. And so I just told it on the podcast. And like, honestly, like it's not, I only thought about it because I'd seen this article. It's not something that, you know, I'm sort of traumatised by or anything like that. But I thought I'd tell the story. Anyway, I thought that everybody who's like, alleging things are, are all, you know, they're all out there in the public domain, you know, like with Mike Pilavachi, you know, everyone's saying, 
um, you know, my, this happened to me and this happened to me and everything like that. And you've got lots of people complaining in public. But actually, that's not the case at all. Um, apparently, I'm the only person who said in public what's what's actually happened to me working in, in, in UCCF. Everyone else is is remaining anonymous and is, is not saying in, in public at the moment. And the reason uh, is that, well, I mean, this is what I hear anyway from the, the feedback I've got. The reason is, is that basically people are um, they are scared that there's a there's a culture of, of fear and intimidation and that there's a threat of or at least there's a fear of litigation. And uh, apparently the people involved who are being accused of things are extremely litigious. Um, so I have allegedly been, allegedly they're allegedly all of these things are alleged. alleged by the way. This is all allegedly. It's not it's not necessarily true. Um, this could be completely false. Um, it's all it's all just, you know, it's all just hearsay. Anyway, so the point is, is that I have kind of gone first. I'm not I'm like an unintentional, unintentional whistle. Yeah, I didn't mean to, but I have. And um, so anyway, so I'm hoping that this will be, you know, it will give uh, other people an opportunity to say what's happened. Courage. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying what's what or what happened or anything like that. But if people are intimidated and they're fearful and they feel like they allegedly. can't say allegedly fearful. <laughs> They can't say what they really what really happened to them. I don't think that's very healthy. I no, think it should it should all be out there, you know. So it's I'm true. not I'm not saying you know I'm not saying anyone's guilty. I'm not saying anyone has done anything. I'm just saying it'd be interesting to hear people's stories. Yeah. Uh, and I have had you know really surprising feedback mm. um, from people like it sounds sounds certainly could be the case that some really unhealthy things are happening there, and the, the, generally like the light needs to be shone on these things. Yeah, absolutely. And if if, if nothing if nothing untoward has happened, then there's no problem. Is there with with things coming out into the light? So, um, but we must stress that all of this is, these are just, these are things which are said uh, by people who are not us. And they're, everything that is said in terms of any kind of um, you know, proposition about what might have happened or, or something somebody might have done, all of that is just allegedly. Okay. So allegedly. it's just, it's in the realm of theory. It is definitely, we're definitely not saying it's absolutely true. Um, just to be clear. Whatever it is we're saying. Well, it's not even clear what we're saying to ourselves. So, you know, we can't, well, that's surely we can't be sued for that. <laughs> but you never know. We've got some scripture. Moving on swiftly. We've got some scripture. Jim, would you like to read out? Yeah, yeah, of course. So we just had this morning prayer, didn't we? Which, yeah. was, um, which was nice scripture. And I felt like quite appropriate, maybe for some of the things we're going to talk about. So we're drawing chapter 15. And we're starting at verse 18, the words of Christ. <clears throat> If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, pardon me, it's a coffee. And I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from my father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Mm. There we are. 
Wonderful, wonderful piece of uh, John's gospel. That it's, it's, the, it's the it's the final discourse, isn't it? Um, with disciples, is that right? Is this the final discourse? It's, it's, it follows on from the I am the true vine bit. Is it? Yeah. Is, are they... it they're in the Last Supper. Aren't yeah, they? it goes on forever, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's right in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is uh, just a lovely bit of scripture. Um, one of the greatest. Uh, so, I mean, I, this this kind of um, so many things going on. It's almost. Uh, it's, to me, this, the discourse is quite repetitive, so I get lost in. in mm. uh, Jesus makes the same, makes similar points. Um, that they're not, I wouldn't say um, uh, he's really hammering home uh, a number of ideas. Um, and uh, one of the things he says is this idea of the world being set up against um, his disciples. Mm. Like, you know, so the world will hate you because the world hates me, and if the world loved me, then it will love you. You know, mm. um, and uh, you know, I mean, there are there are so many things. Um, uh, going wrong in the church at the moment, mm. um, and, and one of them is, is we'll talk a bit about this I think later. It's this sort of living in love and faith stuff, and one, and one of the key arguments that they make is, well, the world has changed, so we mm. need to change. Otherwise, the world will hate us. And you get this over and over again. We'll, we'll see it. We'll see it in a bit. Basically, boils down to you know. But Jesus said, yeah, the world will hate you yeah. for for following me. So you know, it's it's not a good not a good argument, um, and. Um, all the stuff about servants is, is so beautiful, isn't it? Um, mm. Sort of this sort of servant ministry of Christ, um, mm. uh, and uh, and how and how you know the, he's sort of our master. Of course, um, we are his servants, mm. um, and uh, of course, elsewhere he, he sort of elevates them from servants to to friends, doesn't he? But mm. um, uh, there's still this sort of idea that the world hates Christ, so will therefore hate mm. those who follow him. Um, yeah. Yeah, a servant is not greater than his master. You know, yeah. we're not in some kind of more sort of elevated or privileged position than Christ, but we yeah. have to follow after the way of Christ because yeah. we are lesser than him, as yeah. it were. Yeah. Yeah. So what would what would the kind of pushback be on that, Tom? I'm, I'm just trying to think, you know, the world hates me, how it hates you, know that it, it has hated me before it hated you. I mean, what you're saying is so, to me, it's just so sort of abundantly clear uh that that argument that we have to do what the world wants in order to make the world like us essentially it's so it so contradicts this teaching i can't even sort of imagine what the sort of pushback would be but um well it just in order to think that then in, in order for any of the the sort of revisionist um readings of the of the scriptures to, to work they just need to to read them all in isolation don't they yeah. and they just sort of compartmentalize them to the point where they mean nothing mm, okay um, so this might they might say well it's the bad part of the world not the good part of the world well, exactly yeah some, or or, um, or they say oh, we're talking about like uh, the persecution of the early church or mm-hmm. or or the, or the crucifixion but he, but he is you know he is talking about the persecution of the early church yeah. and he is talking about the crucifixion but he's also it's also relevant now it just doesn't just stop yeah then um there's a, there's a, so there's a lovely bit isn't there um very sorry very sorry um, uh, and sorry. there's this there's a bit of trinitarian um mm-hmm. sort of theology that comes out of this really important moments of um uh he that hateth me hateth my father also mm. um and um mm. uh, th- this idea that in christ is the fullness of the of, of god dwelling so 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 that we so that hating christ is like hating um god mm-hmm. and loving christ and knowing christ is and we get that elsewhere is, is equivalent to knowing god mm-hmm. so in other words christ um and this, this is where it's really important that that the you know, we, we reject Arianism or Decetism or any of these sort of um, adoptionism, any of these Christological heresies. Mm. Um, 
uh, Arianism claims that Christ was, of course, um, uh, the first first of the created things, but not actually sharing nature with God. There's Cetism that um, that Christ wasn't properly human, mm-hmm. uh, and Adoptionism that Christ was a human who was sort of adopted by God as yeah. Son of God. Uh, and all of those three main Christological heresies um, are, are refuted by this idea mm. that, that that in Christ we can know God. Yes. And, and and the problem with all of those is that effectively they mean that in Christ we couldn't know God either because Christ isn't properly God or because Christ isn't properly human. Mm. You know, so um Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I love that. And it also you have this um to round out the kind of tr- Trinitarian thing, you have, you know, when the helper comes, mm. speaking about the Holy Spirit, whom I'll send to you from the Father, from the Father, the Spirit truth. So helper there, that presumably is the that's a paraclete, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So counselor or advocate. The comforter. We've got the comforter there, the King James Version. Whom I will send to you from the Father. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because the Nicene Creed, um, the 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 Western and Eastern Church, I was actually speaking to my catechesis group about this yesterday. The 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 Western and Eastern Church split over the controversy as to where whether the the spirit proceeds from the Father or whether the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Um, And it was uh, well filioque. and that that with the Western Church added and the Son filioque to the creed, which mm. which actually was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of the split between the Western and Eastern Church in the 11th century. Here, this is more on the side of the Eastern Church because it said, "When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father." It doesn't say from the Father. Oh, but who's the doing the sending? I don't. Yeah, um, I did, it's well, a good I, point actually, isn't it? Yeah, I uh, will send you from. The I Father. will send you from the Father. Or is there some sort of you know? Um, uh, some sort of yeah, it's interesting point, there. actually. Yeah. Um, maybe there's more. Maybe it's more ambivalent than I thought. Well, I, I think it is. Ambivalent. But then it does say who proceeds from the Father. Yeah. It doesn't say who proceeds from the Father and the Son. He will bear witness about me. Anyway, leaving that his they leaving that controversy aside. You've got the Spirit. You've got the the Son sending. Uh, sorry, uh, Son sending the Spirit from oh, the Father. Yeah. You've got the the Spirit proceeding from the Father and bearing witness about the Son. So yeah. there's a really rich kind of trinitarian and, and the son and the son bearing witness to the father and the, and the yeah. spirit and fullness of God in him uh, yeah. dwelt. So um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful bit of trinitarian theology at the end there, mm-hmm. and and one of the one of the passages that the the fathers um, sort of came to again and again when they're trying to understand the nature of God. I mean, you know, some people might say, oh, this trinity kind of is just so complicated. Why do we bother? Yeah. Or it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. You know. Uh, it's there, you know, it's, yeah. there. It's, it's the only way to really understand uh, and keep safe the idea of God um, as uh, uh, in God's revelation in Christ. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the end, all of these all of these um, controversies are soteriological, mm. which means they're to do a salvation. Mm. Um, and uh, and the reason we want to maintain that there is a trinity is because then we can properly know uh, the Son through the Spirit, and therefore know the Father. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the whole thing breaks down. You end up um, uh, with with a sort of um, with, without being able to breach that that, um, that gap between humanity and God. Mm, yes, um, and then and then of course in verse twenty seven, and you also will bear witness. So you've got this kind of trinitarian interplay, and then it it, it manifests itself ultimately in the disciples of Christ bearing witness in the world, um, in continuity with the way that the Spirit bears witness to to christ so we there's an outworking there in our witness to the yeah. world as well um and, and indeed i think paul sees this um in so when he when paul in 1 corinthians 11 is kind of charting out what the church looks like mm. you know that the, the father's the the head of the son um uh 
therefore that you know uh, you see we see this kind of hierarchy of the cosmological hierarchy mm. um and then you see um and he says he wants to see that reflected in the mm. in the uh in the, in the hierarchy of the church as well so that our cosmological ideas of god line up with um the church and the church lines up with them so there's a witness in in, in that way as well mm. so, um yeah what a rich passage! It's a lovely one, isn't it? Um, I suppose, like the sort of the the one of the outworkings in this is, and again, this is a theme we'll we'll come we'll come to in the podcast is that as disciples of Christ, we have to be prepared to be hated and to be rejected by the world and mm-hmm. to be persecuted. You know, blessed are you when uh, when you are persecuted. You know, when they say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake and so on and so forth. This is a standard part of Christian discipleship, and the logic for it is that it happened to Christ very clearly. And mm. if we are faithful, it may very well happen to us as well. So we've got to be prepared for that kind of thing spiritually: persecution, rejection, <laughs> hatred, and, death. That's the very next passage, you know, um, chapter sixteen. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Wow, that is very, very apt, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, thinking somebody killing another person, thinking he's offering service to God. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, you know what? We actually forgot to pray before we did that. So uh, we should say we should say a little prayer. Do you want to um, lead? Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, together, can't we? We don't have to yeah, mute myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do it in the uh, version of the Book of Common Prayer, shall we? And um, let's do the doxology as well, okay, shall we? Nice, 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 nice. Okay, let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Okay, now I think we're going to go and talk, we're going to go on and talk about some some things coming out so basically i think we've got a few things to cover we've got um a bit we're going to talk a bit more about the sort of israel thing and stuff that's going on we're going to talk about what was the other thing the ben bradshaw uh, letter on the i've got the ben bradshaw letter on those uh, are two main things so um, and then we've got an email following up from our conversation with the orthodox ordinance anna yeah. last week as well which i think i put in the show notes yeah. so just so folks know that's kind of where we're going but i must say i, I don't know if anna does anna listen to her reverend thank you very much i wasn't there last week obviously uh couldn't be there but thank you very much for the i think the um the declaration they made was really um yeah really needed and it's yeah. it's had an impact and mm-hmm. yeah, so, well, uh, so yeah. it's uh it's good to see people uh, we've got a lot of really good feedback um yeah. the episode has been well listened to our youtube figures are higher than they normally are as well yeah. so i think there's been real interest there so it's good and so we should say if people are new to the podcast you know welcome they may have found us through that story or the ucf story yeah. you're very welcome you know, I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. So far, so that's been yeah, pretty you, good. So subscribe. You should subscribe and tell other people about it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, so I mean, the, the other thing we want to talk about is not just um, the, the situation in in Gaza and Israel, but also the situation here. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and some of the sort of shocking things that we've seen. Um, but but yeah. Um, so I mean, should we start by? I don't mean to interrupt you, but you haven't actually been on the podcast since this whole thing. Mm started have you no i haven't so no. do you want to i mean why don't you tell folks like you know where you what's my take what's my take where, where you're sort of at with it you know um yeah minefield isn't it like we're probably gonna upset is. everyone um yeah it doesn't matter what this is when all the new, these new yeah. people leave um yeah from every side um there's uh um so my heart cries out 
All right. I, I had to give a, uh, an assembly uh, shortly after I'd heard about the, the slaughtering of Jewish children mm. by Hamas. Um, and I, I broke down into tears in front of the assembly mm. as I was praying with them. Um, just because I just, I, I knew that they would see this and, and that, um, the, the, these children, I looked at them like five-year-olds from in reception mm. up to 11-year-olds, like these are the same age as, as Hamas was storming into their houses and gunning them down. And, uh, you know, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, again and again, I've seen things that, that, that are shocking now. Um, the, the most recent one being that there's a, there's a, um, a, a sort of uh, in tw- a parent and child um, skeletons burnt badly that have been bound together with wire and then chucked into a fire and they died um, clasping each other and there's just the two the two skeletons are so badly damaged uh, that you know where you can see these the small the, the child's child's spinal cords and, and you know and yes utterly horrendous isn't it and you know this is evil mm. it is absolute evil um, that has been unleashed upon innocence uh, and there's no doubt about that no doubt about that um so like i call it the strongest possible terms for hamas to put down their weapons and surrender and face judgment mm-hmm. um well. in this world because it might spare them judgment in the next mm-hmm. uh so that's the first thing like mm-hmm. uh i i pity the souls of the hamas of the people who've done this i pity mm-hmm. their souls and i most of all i, I just have I just weep for the dead of israel mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so I think it is right that Israel have 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 started a process of trying to um, re- remove Hamas from Gaza. Mm. You know, I think there's there, there's there's a sort of um, uh, that that the, if a country had to sit with, and you know. I, I get so annoyed when people call Gaza a sort of open-air prison or whatever. Do you know why Israel had to put walls around it? Do you know why? It's because they worried that something like this would happen. Mm, yeah. You know, um, there's a cycle of violence there. If Hamas had laid down their arms in 2005 when Israel withdrew from the Gaza Strip, uh, then money would have been pumped in there and it would have probably been a lovely place. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been choices made that have not taken us away from that. And the open-air uh, prison thing as well, so I don't mean to interrupt you, but the open-air prison thing... To me, it doesn't make very much sense because it's only on one border, isn't it? So, I mean, it's, they have another border. Yeah, with... I think people can get in and out of Gaza, can't they? Yeah. People do. Yeah. I don't, I don't, they do. Yeah. So, and it's like when people say that it's under siege as well. Whereas in order for something to be under siege, it has to be surrounded. I think it's it was mostly surrounded by there's, there's, there's a border with, with there's, uh, Egypt. Egypt, yeah, yeah. Which is how I think people get in and out. Yeah. But, um, but you can under, I mean, you know, Israel did put up the walls for this very reason because they feared a enormous terrorist attack and indeed between i think 2005 and 2009 there were a series of car bombings weren't there and mm. that's when all of the um that's when they started warding off palestinian settlements um, yeah it's not i mean you know and, and i have pity real pity for the for the for the people who who live in there who are innocent of what hamas have done um mm. i think uh, that you know but but you know these these protesters calling for the destruction of Israel and let's be honest that's what um from the river to the sea Palestine shall be free means mm. that, that's what it means it means the destruction of, of the protection of the Jewish people in the Middle East it means the uh, cleansing of the uh, land from yeah. Jews isn't it yeah, yeah. But, but even if even if like um even if in theory not in practice without the protection of of, of their own military and uh, state I suspect that, that other countries would do it for them you know mm. so um 
uh, and I um, and, and I'm also quite you know I've, I've been shocked by the speed in which um, sort of the big news players have jumped on um, for example the hospital uh, bombing which very quickly was obviously not uh, you know a, 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 an Israel Israel um, Kind of heavy weapons destruction mm. of, a, of a hospital killing 500 people. It's a, it's a, it's a rocket that's hit a parking lot. That came out like 12 hours after the initial thing. You know, mm. uh, once as, almost as soon as daylight came, it became obvious that what what the, the narrative was wrong. But you know, BBC jumped on it. Jumped yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, Sky News jumped on it. Um, so you know that there's been this, is, there's been this sense in which our press have um, have been. The assumption has been that Israel had done something awful, mm. and that Gaza, the, the Gaza are, are sort of authorities, as they're always called, that's Hamas, by the way. You know, you know the terrorists who killed the children, mm. uh, who, who um, strapped a parent and a child together with wire, wire, and then chucked them on a bonfire. Yeah. Um, that that's that's them, uh, yeah. you know. And that's not just an isolated incident either. No. You know, um, just to just to elaborate on that, I mean, I had a my own sort of. You know, I, I feel like for me, there have been several times when I've engaged with the accounts of what, what happens and it's like the penny just drops and you just think, you know, it, it, so this week, for example, I saw this, um, I didn't watch the footage, but the IDF released footage that Palestine, um, that yeah. Hamas had made with GoPros yeah. of what they did when they went and they yeah. and this by the way is absolutely intentional that they're publicizing this like they killed that uh, old woman and then put it on their facebook on on her facebook page they're, they're publicizing it in order to make it as as psychologically damaging as they possibly can yeah. for the israeli people yeah. so they filmed this stuff now i didn't actually watch it because i couldn't i couldn't watch it because i would find it i would find it too heartbreaking but like you read about this you know, like the one that really, I mean, there's all kinds of accounts of these people like beating, you know, beating old women to death, you know. Um, and there was this one account of these, you know, this family, like a man and two boys who were woken up, you know, they're in their shorts and they, they're out of bed. And Hamas came into their house and they threw a grenade at the, the dad and blew him up in front of his, his yeah. two sons. And they were saying to each other, you know, dad's dead. I want to die. I want to die. These poor children. Who, and, who were seriously wounded by the grenade as well. Yeah, they? yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's it's just what we're talking about. Something, this is like from the pits of hell. I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure terrible things have happened in my lifetime, but I've never actually sort of been aware of something so awful happening in my in my lifetime. I can't remember seeing such savage cruelty, such merciless yeah. bloodlust. And it visited upon the innocent and the most vulnerable, including babies, you know, children being burnt alive, having their hands bound together, burnt alive, babies being stabbed in their cribs with 12 inch knives. I mean, one of the one of the terrorists, of course, performed, uh, you know, cut open, killed, killed a pregnant mother and then cut the head off the baby after cutting it out of her womb. You know, this is this is absolute evil happening on the most innocent people. So so um, any 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 support. Of Hamas at this point, these great big marches. You are, um, you know, you, you, that's what you're supporting. You, you're not. You're not. There's, you know, and especially when we see like these big marches, um, and the and the sort of jubilation on parts of certain cultures. Um, now, on the other hand, and I, and I will say there is another hand going on in me because I'm genuinely have become more and more sort of pacifistic, and and I'm not certain that that. That Israel's um, 
bombing of Gaza is actually helping anything. I don't know. So I don't know. I think there's um, there's uh, there's like um, what is the aim? And 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 I sort of on the one hand, um, they've dropped some like three thousand, two thousand bombs or something. They only they've managed to they've done it so um, actually they've done a pretty good job of of not damaging civilians mm. for the number of missiles they've fired. Um, you know, uh, to 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 put it in contrast, look at the number of civilians killed by the by the British in our campaigns in the Middle East in recent years. Um, mm. uh, you know, so, so you know, I think Israel are being really careful not to hurt civilians, but nonetheless, um, it's a sort of cycle of violence is, is what I would worry about. Um, and that, now, I mean, because so, if I'm going to call for sort of peace and ceasefire in Ukraine, which I do, then surely I have to call for peace and ceasefire in, in, in Gaza and, and, and attempts to... And now, People talk, tell me I'm naive, and I know I am probably, and attempts to find non-violent ways of 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 of, of bringing to justice those evil perpetrators of terror. Well, yeah, um, I mean, it comes back to, I mean, to be honest with you, like the only way, obviously, this is highly emotional, but in my opinion, like the only way you can really sort of frame this is in terms of a conversation about just war. So, you know, we're talking about proportionality of response, for example. We're talking about whether there are any alternatives to this response. And I think that, that would be a key issue here, whether there's whether there is an alternative, whether it's actually feasible that um, Hamas could be brought to justice in any other way, apart from a, a full scale invasion of, of Gaza. Um, and the other aspect to this as well is. Um, is the is the, you know, the propaganda war. Now, I'm I'm sort of. um uh, open-minded about this because I, I'm not an expert in Middle Eastern politics, but my inclination is to is to feel that the propaganda war is very much against Israel oh, yeah. and in, in favor in favor of Hamas specifically. Just on that point about the the October seventh thing, we've got it in the show notes because I know I put it there. There's a there's a poll which came from Harvard University which is showing that something like over half, like fifty one percent, fifty two percent of eighteen to twenty four year olds. In the US, it must be think that that was just think that what happened on October seven very wrong, isn't it? Was justified yeah. based on Palestinian grievances. Now that I, I I want the only way I think you can make sense of that is to say that these people, you know, they, they don't know really what happened. They're ignorant of what happened, or they've been propagandized to such a degree that they've lost their their moral bearings. That they could that they could because, because let's, let's be absolutely honest, like. This is a pogrom, not against, because you know, quite a lot of people will say, "Oh no, we're against Israel. We're not against the Jews. We, you know, we love the Jews. We're not, we're not anti-Semitic. We want them to be, to be safe." And you know, yeah. uh, we don't like Israel. We don't like Israel. Now, I personally, I, I find this to be um, uh, laughable. <laughs> I no, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think we have to be. Uh, I don't think any. Um, any criticism of Israel is equal to anti-Semitism. No, no, That's not true. No. But um, but equally, um, like at this point, they they didn't attack the state of Israel, which would be like attacking, you know, um, military or yeah, military infrastructure and things like that. Um, yeah. They they attacked, um, you know, civilians. civilians. Yeah. That's that's attacking the Jews. It's not yeah. attacking Israel. It's not an act of war, it, is it? It's, it's an act of um, terrorism um, visited upon Jewish people. And it's a pogrom. It's a, yeah. it's a pogrom. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's. It's just, it's, it, it definitely, you know, quite rightly has been compared to the acts of, uh, of the German state in World War Two, and indeed in the act, uh, in many other states. And, and there is a sort of, um, I was listening to the Spiked podcast 
the first time I've ever listened to a podcast, really. Because <laughs> yeah. my mother said, you must listen to this. Yeah. I do what my mum says because it's one of the commandments. Indeed. Uh, and <laughs> she obey your mother. Yeah, obey my mother and my father. Thy days may be long in the land which yeah. the Lord thy God giveth me. And uh, so I am um, so listening to the Spike podcast, which has had the um, edge of the Jewish Chronicle on. And he's written a book about how about how um, uh, anti-Semitism has morphed into anti-Israelism. Mm. Um, and, and, and you know, I don't like. I say, I think uh, I, some of the things he said, I actually uh, couldn't disagree with more because he he, had, he he wanted to blame Christianity um, for the mm. background sort of anti-Semitism. Mm. Um, and whilst uh, I agree, medieval Christianity um, did have a did have a, a problem with anti-Semitism. Mm. I think that, that a lot of reformed Christianity rejected that. Mm. Um, not as much as it should have been done, but should, we should say that like the Jews are. Um, uh, you know that they're, they're, they're not um, they're no more to blame for Christ's death than mm. anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the gospel makes that clear. Mm. So, um, so you know, the whole thing should be, um, uh, you know, there should be no anti-Semitism in Christianity. But, um, but he he was sort of uh, he was comparing uh, the sort of way that the media dealt with. Um, Say our, our wars in Syria, mm. uh, which is sort of proxy war in Syria, and our war in Iraq, and in you know, and and and, and how how they, how they report on the civilian deaths, which they didn't really, mm. in comparison to they, they hold they hold Israel to a higher standard, yeah, for for no good reason. It just it just comes down to sort of bias against the existence of Israel, which yeah. I think is probably yeah basically anti-Semitism. And well, it, there, you know, there, it's hard it's hard to say that there's not at least some anti-Semitism mixed up with it. I'm yeah. really reticent to kind of play the identity politics game, yeah. but when you've got people who are justifying these actions, you just think what what is motivating you to not see this for what it is, or to yeah. not call it out for what it is, which is like sheer evil. You, can, I cannot imagine how it could be any worse. You literally can't imagine how could they have been more cruel? How could they have been more merciless? Yeah. And so, if you're not prepared to condemn that because you want to make some kind of geopolitical point about the state of Israel. I think there's something I think there's something really dark so, going on there. So I'm going to say, you know, so where am I? Well, you sort of have to sum up where I was. I'd say, you know, get, Hamas committed acts of evil um, that Israel have a right to pursue justice, um, but that I would call on them for, for, for caution, uh, not least because, and I think they're aware of this because uh, because of the way the, um, the the Middle East um, are um, sort of eyeing this and the precarious situation they could be in, but also because I believe fundamentally in that the war just begets war, and that an answer has to be in in seeking peace. So my prayer is that hot heads will be replaced with warm hearts. Mm, well, um, yeah. I mean, one other thing I wanted to say about this. Um, it's just on the coverage. I mean, there's an extraordinary um, interview. I don't know whether you saw it on the BBC with an international rights lawyer. Did you see this? It was a young, it was a young, I mean, she can't have been out of her 30s. She was a woman and she had a, she had an interview with, um, you know, one of these standard mm-hmm. BBC presenters. And it was the most extraordinary interview because the BBC presenter like literally knew nothing about the situation. It was just, she was just repeating the kind of anti-Israeli um, sentiments about how Israel are bombing Palestine and they're killing civilians and they're doing it indiscriminately 
And it's it, 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 absolutely nonsense because well, the, it, the number of civilian casualties we've had is just not indicative of, yeah. of indiscriminate bombing. Yeah, I'm I sure wanted they could flatten the whole thing. They uh, could yeah. just flatten it. They could cause, yeah. cause millions of deaths in hours if they wanted to. Yeah, we should say yeah. that, like, obviously, we have, you know, we don't want to see civilians killed, no. you know, and, and that, again, is an aspect of a just war theory that, you know, you, what you're doing is you're looking to, to take the least destructive path that you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. And that a justified war must fulfill that criteria. Like that, the, the damage you're going to do to the war will be less than the damage that would happen if the war if the war didn't take place. Um, but you know, this human rights, uh, sorry, international, uh, um, in what was the word I'm looking for? Uh, this lawyer who's an expert on international relations was saying that, uh, or, or an international law, I should say. Sorry, um, she was saying that, and I've heard this before, that Israel actually warns Gazan citizens when and where they're going to bomb, and they try, they, you know, they tell them to flee those areas, and that it's actually Hamas that stops them leaving, and they would, the Hamas even kill their own people as they're fleeing these these areas. So what they're doing is they are they are using civilians, yeah. and they do things That's like true. they 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 put their military infrastructure next to or within hospitals and things like that, or schools, school playgrounds. You know, yeah, there's a, there's a picture, there's a um, satellite image of a rocket launcher next to a pair of swings mm. like you know yeah uh, and of course they'll they'll fire from there whilst the children are playing on those swings yeah. they don't... so it's actually it's actually the, the hamas who are the ones who are yeah. perpetrating civilian atrocities yeah. i don't really see any evidence that, that israel have have done anything that's in remotely the same league i mean yeah. granted like I, I i am you know i don't want to be naive about it there's always like the kind of fog of war stuff where you're never really sure what's going on yeah. but that all i hear in terms of the accusations against israel is that they uh, have been you know, indiscriminate in their in their bombing campaign, and I don't really see any evidence that any of that is true. I just no, think that's. I, I think it's, the opposite is probably the case. Um, the I mean, it's it's a bit like um, people cause you know accusing um, Israel of genocide against the Palestinians. Yeah. And you think, um, I think I believe the stat is that that it, the number of the, the population, the Islamic population of Israel, has grown fivefold in the last like thirty years, mm. or something like that. that that's yeah. not. That, that's not indicative of some sort of genocide against uh, against Arabs. Yeah. And, and people Israel. drawing equivalence between that yeah. and the Holocaust and things like that. You know, it's like, you know, um, when, when in fact, where we have seen um, genocides, you know, the, is all of the Middle East chucking their Jewish population out mm. into Israel when mm. it was formed? Mm. So if you look at the numbers, um, it's just extraordinary. Thousands thrown out of Lebanon, Syria, mm. Jordan, yeah. yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> you know, it, it, and and you also, you know, the, the, I don't think people understand how complex the the history is mm. of Israel, and um, you know, going back to the, the Balfour Declarations mm. and the Palestinian Mandate and mm. the the crumbling of the Ottoman Empire, going back to you know, the, you know, the, the the various wars of existence that the Israel have had to fight against um the the states around them um you know uh and and the, and then sort of extraordinary acts of, of actual you know attempting to, to find compromises where mm. they where they pulled out of gaza where they you know yeah um yeah so they pulled so, out of gaza the gazans elected hamas on a four-year term and they've never hamas, had an election since well no because hamas killed all their um opponents yeah you know, it's, so I just think like you look at this, like you just look at this with a rational mind, and you think, who are the bad guys? Yeah. You know, I just cannot see an argument that Israel are the bad guys here. You know, it seems to me that you've got this kind of murderous, genocidal, 
regime in Hamas who have done this unspeakable thing to Israel, that Israel have reacted quite, I think, in quite a proportional manner, um, and that and that somehow Israel are the bad guys. I just, I find that to be an extraordinary position. And I can't, it's not only, it's not only like, you know, ra- I can see a kind of rational case that people want to make a, a point about, you know, that the land belonging to Palestine or Palestinians or whatever, but that's a lot of the time, that's not the, that's not the kind of, point that's being made you've got like blm chicago for example um you know tweeting out an image of a paraglider saying i stand with with palestine you know yeah. the paragliders who came who who paraglided into this rave that was that was happening in israel and they they killed like hundreds of young unarmed israeli citizens they just gunned them down and then and then you know raped a woman and then paraded them around on pickup yeah. trucks yeah uh, it, it was a it was a um, bizarre Twitter tweet thing about um, uh, you know someone said well you know they can't possibly have planned to go to that rave. It's like what so you know you're saying it's all by accident. You know, they've been course, planning it for a year. They, yeah, yeah, they've literally got they've got the documents. Yeah, exactly. right? Israelis have got access to the documents. They intentionally targeted. They knew who were in the, in the kibbutzes. They knew who was in the houses. Like down to the pets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They knew all the people in there. It was absolutely yeah. intentional. Every single person who was killed, well, maybe an exaggeration, but like they, every house, every person who lived in the house, their pets, you know, the children. I mean, it was all planned meticulously. And so, it could not, this is the thing, it's like, it could not be more outrageous what was happened. You know, you, you can't, you know, the only way it could be more outrageous is if it was on a, on a wider scale. But it is like it's like the kind of thing you 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 read about in the Holocaust, and this is why like I I can't understand this thing with um, people who are on the are more on the right or more on the conservative side trying to minimise the Holocaust and trying to make out that you know the Jewish people haven't been haven't suffered these horrendous things. It makes no sense to me at all. And the only way I can think is that I think there's a kind of obstinacy about it. But I think there there may be like a historical ignorance to it as well because we're not talking about just sort of the kind of things that happen routinely in war we're talking about we're talking about hellish horrors you know we're talking about like you know german doctors like sewing siamese twins together like like babies like sewing them together like sewing their brains together to see what would happen and things like that and doing these horrendous medical experiments mm. that on 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 jews including children you know creating these forced labor camps and 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 you know, working them to death in these in these utterly cruel and inhumane conditions like their animals. You know, there's a there's a perniciousness about what was what happened in the Holocaust, which is, you know, I just don't see that really anywhere else. You know, I know that there have been genocides and I know that they've been awful, like, you know, for example, the Rwandan genocide and things like that. But the but the kind of the cruelty, the kind of meticulously worked out cruelty of the Holocaust is is undeniably awful and i think you know it's it's unique in world history in terms of the application of planning mm. and technology to a genocide there's a very, there's a very sinister um film have you ever seen it um it's it's, it's the final, called the final solution no i haven't seen it and it's got um um who is it who plays hamlet um kenneth Branagh. yeah kenneth yeah. Branagh in it as a german and it's just the um the, the final the german senior german not officers sitting around the table yeah discussing the final solution and yeah. they just go through all of the solutions they could think of yeah and then they, they finally end up with the with the with killing them all 
And that's the time. That's the, the only music in the whole film is at the very end mm. where they where they set out the piece by Brahms on, mm. and and that's the um so on the on the um just walks out and sets that mm. to listen to as they as they all depart. Yeah. And uh, goodness me, um, it's yeah. moving. I'd recommend it. I can't remember what it's called. Um, yeah. No, I don't um, see that. The uh, moving sort of on slightly. I mean, can I just? Oh, are you going to change the subject? Well, I'm going to change the subject slightly to to to, to a tangent tangent to one, which is the the response that we've seen. Okay. In this country. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, you're in a city. Have you have you have you seen any pro Palestinian no, marches in Winchester? Winchester's not a big enough city for that kind of thing to happen. It's very quiet. I mean, Winchester is more like a kind of market town, to be honest with you. It's like the population 70,000. So, and also we, it's it's a wealthy, conservative area. So, so you're not, you're not less likely to see that kind of thing here. Yeah. Yeah. But in London, so. yeah. we've, we've seen um, yeah. hundreds of thousands of people turning up yeah. to pro-Palestinian marches, and and the, the vast majority of them not. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I I do want to say that I actually support their right to march mm-hmm. if that's what they really want. I disagree with them. Thoroughly, I think that they are standing up for. Uh, Do you think they should have a right to voice, um, uh, you know, support of terrorist actions? Well, no, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, uh, I, um, I think if, as long as they're not, if they're calling for violence elsewhere, then probably not. That's probably probably a. a, a um, against even the sort of most generous kind of consensus free speech forbid you know speech that um that, that literally calls for violence whether mm. that's whether that's there or whether that's um mm. elsewhere i think um probably rest of all now um of course uh if i'm on a march and i just happen to start shouting jihad at the top of my voice i mean the inner struggle of the muslim mm. soul against um against the sort of the, the troubles of the world that's that's what I mean, isn't it? When I'm on a Palestinian march celebrating mm-hmm. uh, the um, <laughs> the uh, slaughter of slaughter Jews, of Jews. Yeah. Uh, when I shout jihad, it's, yeah. it's a, I'm making the the most uh, anodyne of points that all Chris, all Muslims are uh, called to to the struggle of the soul, aren't they? That's mm. that's what the struggle within, yeah, the struggle within. Um, so, which is which means it's quite right. Of course, the Metropolitan Police have announced that there are, you know, that Chatham Jihad is fine. It's it's not. It's a protest against, uh, you know, calling people to, mm. and the of course um, will arrest, uh, not arrest people for that a piece of peaceable um, theology mm. in the public realm. Um, they will arrest you for, as Ben Sixton points out, silently praying near an abortion clinic. Yeah, that's very wrong. Very, very wrong. misgendering someone in public. Mm. Um, misgendering someone online that can happen can it, it can happen yeah. okay calling someone a lesbian i think a lesbian grandma um, okay yeah, yeah. no i i heard was that was that that guy who called that woman a fat lesbian oh, i don't know maybe yeah. um, maybe there are two okay burning a quran um, making nasty jokes in a private group chat calling islam an aberration publicly denying that gay marriage is biblical <laughs> Reimagining the new LGBT flag as a swastika, arrestable events. Oh yeah, absolutely. protesting against the murder of a woman, carrying rape alarms in a public place, and posting a racist tweet about football players. Um, mm. So you know, it's a good thing our police are on the ball, isn't it? Otherwise, we could have you know, rabid uh, Islamists yeah. uh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that the Metropolitan Police were to interpret their their polite calls for yeah. theological understanding, isn't it? Um, well, Sixsmith makes the point in an article, doesn't he, that um, you know the most generous way to interpret that is that they're worried what will happen if they actually police any of these protests, you know, in terms of violence and things like that. I mean, that does sound to me like um, uh, ab- abdication duty. Really. Of course, of course. I mean, moral cowardice at the highest level. So let's be honest. I mean, if if you are in that situation, shouting jihad, waving a flag similar to the ISIS flag um, with the, um, I think that's the same writing on, doesn't it? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And um, and quite often accompanied with other kind of Palestinian chants, like "From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free," which is really calling for um, Palestine to be free of Jews, of course. Mm. Um, and uh, it's it, it, it's it's a violent call to violence. Yeah, I mean, this is really uh, I don't I I don't really have a sort of um, sort of settled view on freedom of speech. Um, and in general, I'm inclined to think that freedom of speech is a good thing. But you know, if you hear somebody saying that like the standard for freedom of speech should be like this sort of American or ostensibly American standard, where you know it's it's like you're allowed to say anything unless you're unless you're imminently inciting. Also, you're inciting imminent violence or a, or danger or a, or a crime. Or, or is danger. It danger. Is it danger? Okay. Well, I think I think you're not allowed to shout fire in a crowded yeah. theatre. I'm not sure that I agree with that. Um, I don't. I think there are things that people shouldn't be allowed to say in public, and I think that people should not be allowed to say some of the things that have been said, even though you couldn't necessarily make a, a case that they are inciting imminent violence. I think there are things which are so repugnant to our sensibilities that they should be illegal to be said in public and i personally think that voicing um the desire for the jews to be massacred and killed and wiped out is one of them and you can see this like in i mean obviously i've just looked on twitter and i don't live in london but like there are parts of london which are just absolutely um overrun now with radical islamists you know people in mosques you know they videotape these things and put them on twitter I'm, well, yeah you know, i mean i've seen anything out of out of sort out of i've seen a number of these things here. um on my on my twitter feed of, yeah. of um of imams calling for they're literally um, calling for the for, for genocide against genocide Jews from in, in mosques in london mosques in london yeah yeah and uh and across the country and um it's it's a um it's 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 an aberration, isn't it? I mean, they shouldn't they shouldn't be here doing that. They can do that elsewhere if they really must. But well, I think what is in this country? I mean, it, it gets worse than that, doesn't it? There's actually a Hamas. One of the Hamas leaders yes, owns, yes, owns yes, a yes. Um, council house in East London, somewhere, yeah. doesn't he? Um, yeah, quite wealthy man. But what it what it demonstrates is that thing that Michelle Welbeck uh, sort of um, satirizes in his book submission which is you've got this kind of weak secular culture which says oh you know we can have multiculturalism we can have pluralism you know we can have everyone living together in harmony and having their own beliefs but actually that belief in itself is a is a weak is a weak ideology and when when a strong ideology like islam comes in we can't do anything to stop them because we've said that everyone can have their own culture they can have their own religion they can practice it in whatever way they want so like what are we going to do what we actually need is we need a dominant ideology a christian ideology that um can lay down the law and say no this is a christian culture we support christian values we support christianity we support the christian scriptures and yeah. we won't have people there's saying a, it in our country there's sort of the secular liberalism tried to replace them with british values haven't they mm. there's been a thing about on twitter about how people you know how, how do you define them what, i mean what do you even define them? I mean, in schools we have a, a, a sort of set of british values that, mm. that but they're weak because they have not they're, 
a value on its own that has has no grounding in anything. Yeah, um, they might be okay um, by themselves, but what what if something else comes in that wants you know wants to do away with those values, and that's that, that they're prepared to use force, they're prepared to use violence, they're prepared well, to use physical just, means. I mean, or they just simply you know just just don't don't hold them. I mean, yeah. What what happens? I mean, there's no there's nothing there's nothing universal about democracy. Mm. There's no, you know um, there's nothing kind of. Uh, I think uh, Robert Heinlein makes this point in Starship Troopers. There's nothing, even, you know, some of the more fundamental sort of um, human rights. I mean, what human right is there to life, Um, really? Is that the Paul Verhoeven film you're talking about? No, 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 it's in the book. Oh, okay. Uh, There's a big discussion. Robert Heinlein. Oh, Robert Heinlein. Oh, okay. Uh, You know, what what, what human, I mean, Mm. does the drowning man have a right to life? Mm. Um, yeah. mm. uh, what is what is what does it even mean? Mm. Um, mm. And um, yeah, so, it needs to be grounded in something transcendent, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So um, we, we, I think, what's happened is a sort of uh, something's been peeled off, and, and people are seeing some of the, the, the sort of the pickle that the West has got itself into mm. with clearer eyes. It's and very worrying, isn't it? Um, it is worrying. Um, can I ask you about the? Do you know anything about the October Declaration? I do. I've signed it. Okay, because I I haven't signed it, and it's not because I'm against it or anything like that. It's just because I've been I've had quite a busy week and I haven't actually sort of engaged with it. So, so I think we could have, we could have been one of the uh, original signers, couldn't right. we? But I think Daniel's on there. Okay, on the list. But yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a supplementary signer. Like I have okay. to be a supplementary signer. Okay. So the, the October Declaration is has been organised. I started with Laura, the friend of the show, Laura Dodsworth. Yeah. Um, but um, other sort of powerful voices have picked it up, including Alison Pearson. She's mm-hmm. been um, she's been promoting it, um, and it's um, the uh, it's on BritishFriendsOfIsrael.org, um, and the the sort of essential things is we unequivocally condemn all acts of terrorism against civilians in Israel, especially the massacre on seventh of October, twenty twenty three, is the sort of headline, mm. um, and it sort of goes through. Um, uh, uh, some of the outwork we stand in support of British Jews and condemn acts of anti-Semitism and we ask the media members of all political parties and everyone in public life to call out Hamas for what it is a terrorist organization mm. um and um oh, it's, it's a great it's a great piece of writing and a really important thing and a really good is thing that, is that what it says uh well that, those are um the sort of bold bits oh, right, speak. Okay. so there's this discussion about each one of them okay but those are the headlines okay. yeah sounds really um, reasonable to me uh and so it explains goes into detail about them but those are the, those are the sort of four headlines yeah um loads of really um quite quite powerful people have signed it now uh, professor richard dawkins is there rachel riley mm. um dawkins has signed it it's the only letter ever that daniel and dawkins have uh, yeah. both signed um well, um so there's some there's some uh there's Julia Hartley Brewer and various other um, esteemed members of society. So uh, I think... Um, well, maybe that's why, because she was in that list of people that Abby Roberts condemned in the tweet. Maybe it was like people who signed that. I Baron know. Charles Moore of Etchingham was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you yeah, go. Congregant. <laughs> He's not, actually. He goes to the Catholic Church down the road. Oh, does he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. His son is a congregant of mine. Okay. Yeah, so. Very nice. Um, good. Um, the uh, So, yeah, all... Um, Professor Nigel Bigger, those are good. Those yeah, are Nigel Bigger's yeah. great. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll sign it. Yeah, I saw Daniel send that three things I just did. It was just like one of those times where there's just loads of people. I don't know if I found him anywhere yet. Obviously not. Well, there he is, Reverend Daniel French. 
yeah. Anglican priest and presenter of the Reverend podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Daniel. There we go, Daniel. You're representing yeah, us there. That's good. Yeah. Okay, Tom, should we um, move on to talk yeah. about... Um, oh, yes. Um, the next thing? The LNF. So the next thing is the LNF. So, so um, oh, it's gosh. worth just bringing people up. very much time. <laughs> yeah, very much time. <laughs> I mean, bringing people up to date a bit about what's happening. Have you been following this, Jamie? Um, yes, yes. So the, so the bishops... Last week. You did. So since last week, though, I think the bishops have released the sort of detailed stuff to... Oh, have they? Okay, I haven't seen um, it again. ...to Synod of their papers. And it's just kind of... Um, <laughs> I mean... Um, just to sort of give a sort of my 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 sort of hot take on it rather than going into detail is that um it's it's they've rode back on quite a lot mm. and um and they made it very clear that certain things are are not going to change mm. even if they commend the, the 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 prayers so for example they've taken out the prayer of blessing of rings mm. it's too much okay. like marriage okay um, they, they've um, they've separated. I think you probably did know about this. Separated off the structure, the, the standalone structural services. I mean, it doesn't mean that much mm. um, because you can put them into pre-existing services. Um, but um, what they um, what they have said is that um, it would be a change of doctrine to use this with people who are sexually active outside mm. of um, of marriage. And that would change the doctrine. So therefore, the assumption an assumption is being made. It's sort of I don't ask, don't tell. But the assumption is being made that all all, married, all, all blessings that are being blessed by it are effectively celibate, mm-hmm. uh, which is stupid in one sense. But at the same time, it's um, uh, it's um, infuriated liberal, yeah, uh, because they're not getting anywhere near what they were hoping for. So the assumption being my my, my assumption being that if that's the case, then they're not going to be able to liberalise the pastoral stuff I they're not mm. going to be able to say on the one hand we can't you know mm. um so that so we're going to end up in at best the sort of don't ask don't tell which is pretty much where we are anyway that's that's yeah. like the situation with clergy with gay clergy yes, so I mean, with yeah. their partner it's like yeah, yeah yeah you're not supposed to be doing those things but everyone knows that they are so, yeah yeah they're doing it already so um so in many ways like I was talking to our mutual friend Mike about this in many ways um actually they've watered them down to a point where it's quite hard to get to. They're, they're just they're just pointless. No one's going to use them. Mm. Um, Do you really but, think so? Well, I think I think um, the, the, the sort of Twitter. Okay, I've been spending too much time on Twitter. I must delete my account um, again. Again, fourth <laughs> time. Um, uh, Twitter is you know the liberals on Twitter are saying that you know they're they're not even inclined to vote for them anymore. Right. Um, they've ignored um, the uh, so that so they they have said that there will be a change in doctrine. Mm. Uh, which is a change, but they, they're claiming it's non-essential. Okay. That's, um, a, that's a new thing they've introduced. That's a new thing, yeah. yeah we, we, when this whole thing was first coming out, we didn't have this like very sort of COVID-era-esque distinction between essential and non-essential. No, no it has always been in... Has always been in has it? Uh, yeah, in canon law, yeah. So it's there. So, so well, they, but they've only invoked change, it. They've change, invoked it recently, haven't they? They've invoked it in this one, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, but no previously said, they were just denying that there would be any change, any change in doctrine. Yeah. So they said there's going to be a change in doctrine, but it's non-essential. Now, um, the only problem with this is that yes, you're, the, the 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 canons, the law of the Church of England says that um, uh, that you, you can't have indic- either actual or indicative change in uh in doctrine or, or um in any essential doctrine is, is the wording in say canon b2 but the actual amendment on um to the to the which synod passed doesn't have that uh, concept of essential doctrine mm. it, it actually just says any change so they so uh, so generally 
um, people are, uh, are uh, the impression is that they've ignored the um, synod um, sort of amendment, which is illegal. They can't do that. Mm. So that's going to be open to challenge. Um, and um, all of this is leading to furora in the liberal kind of world. And I think someone summed up quite well saying, you know, um, they already, people who wanted, didn't want change were already dead against it. And now they seem to have provided a sort of compromise that everyone is dead against. And that's, you know, before someone says, oh, isn't it a compromise that everyone's mm. everyone's against a good compromise? No, you don't compromise on biblical truth. Mm. Like, you can't do it. Yeah. The, canons of the, the canons of the Church of England, the Thurman Articles, are clear that you can't compromise on yeah. biblical truth. I don't want I'm a, everyone's... I'm not yeah. interested in, in, in everyone's unhappy, so it must be reasonably fair. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not how you do um, theology. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, the, so all in all, um, the, the, the bishops are, uh, are up um, a creek without a paddle. Hoopoo really. Creek. Hoopoo Creek. Um, no one's happy with them now. And we've got uh, Ben Bradshaw as well. So Ben Bradshaw has, has waded in. Uh, to the um seems to be a bit confused about how the church where the authority lies in the for the church seems to think parliament's in charge of the church well it is strictly speaking so it dedicates authority to synod yeah but it doesn't have the authority to tell us what our doctrine and practice should be it could do well if it, if it unreserved it from uh, synod well i mean then the church would disestablish it well, presumably yeah i mean i mean i'm talking about an actual reality in actual reality the, the authority of the church comes from scripture and from its own teaching office. It doesn't come from Bed Bradshaw no. and Parliament. No. But he seems to think it does. He seems to think it does. So um, here is his letter. Uh, dear Andrew, writing to the uh, Second Church of State. Yeah, so tell me why he's writing to him. Do you know? No idea. Yeah, he's is writing it? to, just say the title uh, again. The Second Church Estates Commissioner. I think yeah. he's like the, the commissioner who reports to Parliament. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, you will no doubt have read the latest paper from the bishops on LLF and the reporting of it in the church press. It is extremely disappointing. That's one set. That's one paragraph, yeah. isn't it? It is extremely disappointing to you, Ben. Yeah. yeah. It backtracks you. on what was agreed at Synod in February, where well, it doesn't really, uh, and it, and the repeated promises you made on behalf of the Church of England to the House. I don't know what promises anyone was making based on Synod in February, but there was never any definitive. All the Synod did, and 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 again, don't don't tell me that Synod has licensed anything or allowed it. All it did is is it allowed the bishops to continue developing the prayers with the proviso that they do not change any doctrine of the Church of England. That's what Synod said. Go away and continue work on them, bishops, but do not change the doctrine of the Church of England. That's the substance of it. So any promises, any press releases, all of that stuff, forget about that. That's all spin. Yeah. What Synod said is go and keep working it, yeah. but do not change the doctrine of the Church of England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, while it doesn't, what it doesn't backtrack on completely, it kicks further down the road, meaning in effect we're no, still no further on the hot on than when LF process started seven years ago. Well, the process, LLF process, there was no process. Mm. There's no, there's no, they, the, the whole point of LLF, and again, liberals deny this, but, but was, was just a listening exercise in which mm. uh, a teaching document was setting out two sort of competing ways yeah. of looking at the Bible. Um, it's there's quite helpful, really, yeah. because when you read it, you realise how wrong the liberal way of looking at the Bible, how in discordant, how, how discordant with traditional Christian understandings of Scripture it is, how how it's effectively uh, a, a looking for a different source of authority. Yeah, but, um, so, so yeah. Bradshaw, he wants to frame this in terms of a journey, you know, one step after another towards progress, yeah. you know, in, in the church, whereas that's just that whole way of framing it is just a that's just a. Um, that's a psyop isn't it that's not the way this is at all we have a a body of doctrine and practice that we've received from the past 
which ultimately comes to us from Christ and the apostles, mediated through our formularies, and we're to be faithful to that and to hand on to the next generation. We're not to we're not to um, to stray from it and to create aberrant paths from it and call that progress, which is what. And this guy, he's not even yeah, he doesn't even go to church. So I think it doesn't. He doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. I don't. I don't think so. I, I saw him. Well, maybe I'm wrong about I, that. I thought it was in Exeter, wasn't he? Isn't he on the? Um... This is something quite alarming. Like he's actually on the panel for appointing the Bishop of Exeter. Is he? Oh my goodness! I think I don't know. Daniel would know more about this. I take it back. I don't know. I just saw that. He's gay and he has has a partner, and they're not celibate. So he has his own sort of side to this. Yes, Um, that's very clear. (laughs) um, The language in the document is also dreadful, which takes us backwards. Don't know what that means. Just doesn't like the language. Like language, English. Awful language, English. It's terrible language. (laughs) It should have been written in Greek. (laughs) Greek. Um, Welsh. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um... <laughs> the language is terrible. Um, grandma was poor. <laughs> yeah. Texas, which also Texas backwards. So we're backwards twice. Yeah. yeah. We hope very much. That but we also had stayed in the same place as well. So yeah. how can we go backwards yeah. and be yeah. in the same yeah. place? It's hard. Yeah, it's really tricky. Um, we also we hope very much that when Synod meets in November, you'll make quite clear that to it and to the bishops in private before that, that it's not acceptable, not acceptable, and that Parliament expects the decisions already taken, promises made, and the timetable previously outlined to be kept. It's disgraceful, uh, disgrace, well, isn't it? Who does, he, who does he think he is that he? he can tell the bishops what to do via this intermediary? No, no, I mean, he's no. out of his mind. So, so what has we got? So decisions already taken. We've not taken decisions. They were they were permitted to continue as long as they brought back something, as I'm saying, which is concordant with the historical doctrine of the church. Promises made. They shouldn't have made any promises based on this. This we're still in the process. And a timetable previously outlined. Well, the timetable previously outlined has has gone into trouble because the the bishops, as I understand it, um, haven't produced um, key parts of the documentation and also referred it to the um, to the um, Faith and order, yeah. Um, lot um, yeah. which they really should have done, you know, oodles ago because they are literally the people who are supposed to be experts in the faith. Uh, uh, it's a doctrine of the church, so it's academics and priests. And, um, I mean, I, you know, on the whole, um, I don't know quite what the committee's like, but, um, yeah, the idea is that they, they are experts in the liturgy and tradition and, um, yeah, yeah. doctrine of the church. Um, and they they take a long time to reply reply about things because they do it generally very thoroughly. Yeah, but so, he's not in a position telling telling people in the church what to do anyway. Anyway, right. let's go on with this. Tom, so, we, yeah, we need right. to get this. We need to like there are seven points, aren't there? Uh, the, yeah, we're, we're, get, we're getting there. So we're right, doing okay. good stuff here. We're doing good stuff. Um, <laughs> we hope very much that when Synod meets in November. You'll make quite clear to it. Oh, I've done that bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going backwards. Repeating the points. Yeah. <laughs> the language is un- dreadful. It's taking us backwards. Oh, um, language. Yeah, I've uh, done that one already. Oh, I'd be grateful if you could provide answers to the following questions. I'm tabling these as written PQs. Yeah. Given the expectation, prorogations, we can write you so that you could provide responses in good time for Synod. Question one: yeah. Which resolutions were debated during the meeting of the House of Bishops on 9th of October in the preceding College of Bishops meeting, and what are the b- voting figures on those resolutions? That would actually be quite interesting to know. Um, now, um, ever since Welby, did you know this, Jeremy? Uh, ever since Welby, the House of Bishops has met in secret. Right. Prior to that, it was minuted and published. Okay, why is it not anymore? Just uh, they changed the standing order. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's outrageous that, that, that a body of synod should meet in secret. Really, mm. um, they should they should be publishing the minutes. Um, um, the you know that it's a bit like a you know the PCC meeting secret mm-hmm. or the standing committee meeting meeting yeah. in secret. It'd yeah. be, 
Um, so, um, so we don't really know anything about what goes on in there. So I can understand that. Number two, can you confirm that there are clear recorded majorities in both the House and College of Bishops to allow clergy to enter into same, same-sex civil marriages and to remove the stipulation that currently requires celibacy for clergy in same, clergy in same-sex relationships? Now, and that's quite interesting because they can't just unilaterally do that. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting to know again uh, to see that, but that you know you can't change the pastoral teaching of the church without changing the doctrine yeah. of the church. And if you change the doctrine of the church, it's against them. So um, they haven't brought this forward anyway. The bishops haven't brought this bit forward, presumably because it's too contentious. Yeah. Three. Can you confirm that a further letter from evangelical groups threatening legal action was sent to the House or College of Bishops between the end of the meeting of the college and the House meeting in October? Here's an interesting one, because, um, you know, yes, there have been threats of legal action by certain groups. Um, why? Because... Um, the church works within a, a legal framework and um, it, the bishops just ignoring that legal framework would be. Why is he asking to be confirmed anyway? Uh, why, does he want, why does he want that confirmed? So, well, they're, so they they're very angry. Hands they're very say, angry. Oh, I can't believe this. They're very angry. And there was a very angry that, that, that were threatening kind of um, civil um, yeah. law. But the problem is that, um, that, that there is only the threat of civil law that keeps the bishops obeying the law. Mm. I mean, otherwise they could just do what they like. Right? Yeah. What's that? There's no. Yeah. Um, Personally, I think we should skip to question seven. Hang on, hang on. Uh, These are all fairly like they're fairly abstruse questions, aren't they? Which well, are... Some of them are quite interesting. Um, uh, number seven. When the church teaches that sexual intimacy out of marriage is forbidden, what physical act does it specifically have in mind? Yeah. So he asked all these kind of legal, you know, slash kind of technical questions, and then he asked this really kind of passive aggressive like you know west wing style question for number seven mm. um and i don't really i think that just shows you like what's actually going on here which is that he's got an ideological agenda which he's trying to place upon the church and you know it's a crass question isn't it well, and there are answers to it you know i mean if you read in one Corinthians six in the original greek it's very very clear what kind of um sexual acts are being prohibited by the apostle paul because he uses two greek words to refer to the two actions that are involved in that particular in that particular yeah. act but i don't even want to go into that because i consider it to be it's a question that's that's asked in bad faith yeah you know he's he's trying to sort of imply that the you know that we have a sort of perverse interest in people's sexual activities and you know that we should sort of stay out of it but he's the one who's 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 trying to change the the church's doctrine and practice yeah. and trying to change what we think about marriage and what we think sexual ethics are. Yeah. So I just find that I find the attitude absolutely arrogant mm. and repulsive in the extreme. And I hope that this letter is roundly ignored. Well, it won't be ignored. It won't be. Well, no, no, it won't be because the, the second estate commissioner is, is, a, is quite a liberal, I think. Right. Okay. But also, um, I think they're allowed to ignore it. So yeah. Well, but I mean, it's um, you know, the answers. Some of the answers I quite look forward to because I really would like to know which bishops are voting which way. We know that at least twelve of them aren't voting for it. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but what's the point of these questions anyway? I just don't even know what he's trying to, what he's trying well, to he's, he's trying to, he's trying to, uh, trying to force the bishops to open up their um, um the process, the process, yeah. people, yeah. So we're going to have to mention a minute. What we should do, I think, is I'll just do a plug for people to support. Then we read that email and then yep. we do a prayer finish, if that's right, because I can hear that lunch is almost ready. Um, so thank you very much for listening to the podcast so far. Uh, we've enjoyed it. And we hope you have as well. Now, if you if you like this podcast, if you like what we're doing here, if you support us, please do consider becoming a financial supporter by joining us on Patreon, which you can do on our website, Rev and Pod. 
dot com there's a big red button that you can click there and go on patreon and patreon is the way we finance this podcast there are overheads for the podcast um in general but there's also specific overheads for me because i uh, work um, for the church part-time the rest of my time i give to the podcast and other stuff that i do online and a few bits and pieces so i don't actually have a salary so a lot of my money relies on this podcast so we have amazing support it's really really great but if you would like to support the podcast as well because you're a regular listener uh, it really really does make a difference so please consider going on our website revenpod.com and becoming a patron clicking on the big red button and you get our free bonus podcast um which is called uncollared where we talk about things like you know off the cuff behind the scenes you know that sort of thing so you can do that for as little as one pound fifty a month plus VAT in the UK. So it's very, very little money. Um, and, you know, obviously, if you can give more, that's wonderful. You know, if you could give a tenner a month or, you know, £2.50 an episode, that's amazing as well. But, you know, just that there's a very, very low bar for joining as a patron. So please do consider doing that. Go on to revenpod.com, click on the big red button and become a patron right now, please. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But you can uh, you can buy us a metaphorical coffee as well and leave us a nice, encouraging comment. We regularly read those out. So you can go on the website, revenpod.com, and click the yellow button to buy us a coffee, buy us a virtual coffee as well. So become a Patreon. Please do do that. Um, support us monthly or go on, on, on Buy Me Coffee and do it that way as well. Really, really appreciate everyone who supports the podcast. And you mm. make it happen. We don't have any adverts. It's all about you helping us. So please do that. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Um, which email do you want? Question the row of email. No, the one the one that came about the Orthodox Ordinance, which was saying about courage. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, dear Jamie, Tom and Daniel, many thanks for the podcast. I really appreciate all you're doing. I very much enjoyed hearing from Anna and all that she's doing with Orthodox Ordinance, and I fully support her efforts. Nevertheless, while I agreed with you, all the bishops need to take responsibility and stand up and be heard, I was surprised to hear so much sympathy for those ordinance who are queasy or frightened to do things like attend a closed doors meeting, talk to a training incumbent or sign a letter without being anonymous. Where is their courage? Imagine if the apostles were being cowed by fear instead of praying for boldness in Acts. I've just preached Matthew 10 at our church. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Losing preferment with the archdeacon or difficulty finding accuracy are not quite comparable. These people will be our leaders in a few short years if they can't be courageous now than when, with much support for you three and for Anna. Mm. Well, I mean... It's is that anonymous? If you keep it anonymous, it doesn't get um sort of hate mail. Did you say? Did you say it was? Did you say no? You didn't. Okay, yeah, keep it anonymous. Uh, (laughs) So I think um, the first thing to say um, to our um, correspondent is that also they're actually you're actually really vulnerable Mm. as an ordinand. Um, You have to be signed off by um, your um, by your training college by your tutor. Um, I had a very liberal tutor. I had to you know be kind of quite careful. Um, because she could have not signed me off. And then uh, all that years uh, of training and um, the sort of vulnerability of going into it and um, uh, financial sort of changes I made to my life, leaving job, leaving house, uh, would have been for naught. Mm. Uh, and, and you would have just, been in a terrible position. You know, just been you, yeah, yeah. Um, it just been, you know, they just, you know, wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have gone anywhere, wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. Um, there's no protection for ordinance at all. There's very little protection for curates. No, there's not. You, you no, don't have if, you're not, if you're not signed off your curacy, then you're in exactly the same position, only worse, because you've spent more years in the system. So you are very vulnerable. Yeah. Now, you might be right that, you know, you know, you might find another church or, or whatever, but, you know, you make sacrifices to go into this. And, uh, you know, there are many, many sacrifices to family, um, to yeah. friends. Um, 
it's careers, you know, all that sort of stuff. You put it as layer aside. And you, you want to use that to further the kingdom of God. And so actually as a as an Orthodox ordinance, you have to be really careful. Mm. You have to keep your head down and you have to um um because that's that's the way of getting the best so I don't think they are I mean I don't think they are cowards. I mean, I, I've seen awful things done to Orthodox ordinance, bullying um from liberals in colleges mm. um of the most sort of official sort. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, I take you. I, I, I'm of a similar mind to you, Tom. I think you're right that I think there's, that email is slightly harsh. I think the legitimate, the legitimate point there is that we do have to have courage and we do have to be prepared to suffer for yeah. what is right. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to have prudence. You know, wise as serpent, innocent. Wise as serpents, innocent as doves. You know, there's a, there's a, there's two things that need to be held together, isn't there? There's prudential wisdom and there's courage and faithfulness. Yeah. And sometimes that will involve a more kind of explicit public manifestation of the faith other times it will it will involve a prudential silence and i don't think it's one or the other it's like where you've just got to manifest your opinion all the time every single day regardless of how much difficulty you bring upon yourself and like you say if you do that in certain moments in the ordination journey all it will do is just be you committing suicide in terms of your ministerial career in the church of england yeah um, and fair, you know, fair enough, you might say, well, that's maybe that's not so bad because then you can go and do it in another church. But if you've invested in this and you you think that this is worthwhile, then you want to keep it going. And if you you're can. an advocate, I mean, it's not just like, you know, I could walk out and just yeah. wholeheartedly become a free M- FIEC minister pastor because I don't actually, uh, you know, maybe FIEC would be okay because they've got a wide definition. But, you know, I, I couldn't be a Baptist, for example, because I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm I believe Anglican, in, yeah. I'm an Anglican. Well, you, um, could, you could go to like a whitewashed chapel and become a Calvinist minister. That's yeah, probably be the closest thing yeah. that you'd, for you. wear like a preaching uh, robes, couldn't you? Finally, you'd, your dream would be realised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I don't think uh, they exist anymore, do they? Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, they they do definitely, they definitely do in Switzerland. Um, yeah, I, I go to Switzerland. Come as Vingley in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I think it's like it's a slightly harsh. Um, I, I agree with the sentiment. I think you do have to be courageous, and I do also think we have to make the decision, as I said last week, to um, to not seek preferment, to not seek glory in the in the church. I think that's a good thing anyway, just in general, regardless of how things are. But to not desire those things and to desire just to be faithful uh, in the in the place where God has called you to, you know, humble parish ministry. Um, and not to even be thinking, oh yeah, one day I could be a dean, one day I could be a bishop, blah blah blah. Be a bishop, goodness me. Yeah, I know. It's I wouldn't want to be a dean either. Terrible, awful. Yeah, yeah. It's basically awful. just a building manager. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so anyway, so I think yeah. it's good. It's like focus on the that sort of humble yeah. um, service that you can offer to God. But you know, I think I think uh, you know, to ordinance can be a really tricky position, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. that they that, that prudence is is often required. Um, Otherwise, you just you just get, you just get chucked out and all that hard work, and you never get to a point where you can teach, you know, guide and lead and pastor a congregation. So, mm. um, I understand where they're coming from, and you know, um, yeah. thank you to Anna and to her co-writer, who the other one. Um, yeah, what was his name? Something Porter, Matt Porter. Matt, was Matt it? Porter. Was that his name? Matt Porter. Know. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, he wasn't on, so no, I know. But just thank you to them for they they did stand up and and you know enabled that boldness, and I mm-hmm. think that go off. Yeah. yeah. All right, Tom, we should finish now because lunch is almost ready. And uh, I'm, I really need the toilet because I've drunk a pint of water and a, a cup of coffee in this in this time. I notice you've left your water, which is probably a good thing. Uh, do you want to say a prayer for us okay, before uh, we finish?
Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word that we open today. Give thanks for your son who uh, mediates your truth to us. Um, we give thanks for Jesus Christ. May we every day seek to imitate him in every way. We pray for those things that we've talked about in this podcast, particularly we pray for the situation in Israel, Palestine and Gaza. Um, may your justice come. May your peace come. May your love come. May your reign come to this world. And may all people turn to you and to your glory. We pray for our bishops in the Church of England. May they be filled with the conviction of truth. May they know um, your word and your truth. May they be faithful to the historic formularies that they promised to um uphold um pray for ben bradshaw that he may have his heart turned that he turn from sin to light um we ask this in the name of your son our lord and savior jesus christ amen amen well thank you so much tom good time we're gonna have a nice lunch now thank you to everyone for listening today uh, to this special episode in-person episode uh, i hope you enjoyed it we'll see you again next time and until then Keep the faith. Wait a minute. Keep watch. And stay strong. <laughs> <laughs>